You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. You can be seated and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, if you will. How's it? You guys doing all right? Hey, good to see you. Good, good to hear you doing well. Um, if not, regardless, we're glad to have you here. Uh, no matter where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're kind of on a journey, you're searching, you're, you're exploring uh, kind of what Christianity is about. You're kind of just strolling in here, kind of trying to stay low, incognito, maybe sweet, sneak out at the end. Either way, wherever you're at, we're thankful to have you here. And we do pray that, that you would come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we have new faces coming to this church. We've been growing. And uh, there's something that I wanted to talk to you about just briefly before we got into the message that we really haven't talked about in a while. And it's a conversation I uh, have s- not so frequently with you, but if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard us say these things before, and we want to make one thing very clear to you this morning. We are going to fail you. Uh, It's not our desire. We do not want to fail you. We hope and pray and we strive to serve you well with the gospel of Jesus Christ by preaching the word. But listen, we are not God. And we are not perfect, which means we are going to fail you. And even within the covenant community of God's people, we are going to fail one another. And so if you've been here for any length of time, you don't need to raise your hands because we know we failed you. You believe that. Be like, yes and amen. You have in one way or another, we have not met expectation. We have not served you or loved you as the way that we should. And for that, we apologize. We ask for your forgiveness. We do seek to grow in that. And because we love you and if and when we do fail you, we reconcile and we forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, right? Which is why we always point you to Jesus and never ourselves because he and he alone, he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And so we, listen, we love this church. Jesus loves the church. He loves this church. It was his doing. It was his idea, but we don't worship the church. And it's not, and, and, and it's not that we don't appreciate the church. We, we do, but the church exists to point you to him. And so uh, if we've ever gotten the way of that, we're sorry. If I've ever somehow made this thing about me, or if we as a pastoral team have, have made this about us, we ask for your forgiveness in one way or another. And it's because we love you. Hear me. We don't have to pretend to be something we're not. We can be honest with each other. Like, I am totally okay with not having to be the hero. None of us wear a cape in here, right? So if that doesn't win the most awkward award for sermon introductions, then I don't know what does. With that said, glad to have you at church. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Love you guys. It's good to be with you today. We're going to have the words for you on the screen. 
We are in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And you can read aloud with me if you like. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father God, who is in heaven, we treasure your name to be supreme above any other name. For no one is greater, no one more worthy to be praised. You and you alone are worth all of our affection, all of our energy. We ask that by the power of illumination from the Holy Spirit, you would draw us close to yourself, that you would reveal um, the gospel to us through uh, this message, these words in the text and what the scriptures would speak to us today. Lord, if you do not build this house, those who labor, labor in vain. So, Father God, we ask that you would continue to build your church, that you would continue to have your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that you would accomplish all that you would please for your glory's sake. It's not by might, God. It's not by our own power, but it's by your Spirit. We ask for transformation, for renewal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. We are learning why we pray, and we are learning how to pray from Jesus in this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. We're nearing the end of it. Whatever we think of prayer, whatever we've made of prayer before, Even if you've been here for most of these messages through this series, whatever you in your mind have thought about prayer, whatever you've made prayer to be, if it does not fit into what Jesus is describing here as prayer, we're the ones who are wrong. We're the ones who need to change our mind. In fact, that's not just true with prayer. That's true with anything we come across in the scripture. We're like, I don't like that, God. Guess who's wrong? We are. And there's been times, even in my walk and journey with Jesus, where I've come across truths and texts in the scriptures, and I think, I don't like that God, and, and I, don't, I don't know if I fully embrace that, and it's me who needs to be changed. It's me who needs to be submitted under the authority of the scriptures. We need to be forged by these truths that Jesus reveals to us in the scriptures here, specifically in the Lord's Prayer, specifically our focus for our verse this morning. And we've looked at the different elements of prayer. We've looked at the different things that make up what prayer is. We've looked at hallowing his name, which we know hallowing the name of the Lord, that is worship. We've looked at asking for his will to be done. That is submission, submitting our lives to a sovereign God, to the one who is fully worthy of our life to be put under his authority. 
We submit, we worship, we submit, we petition. That's just the asking, the requesting of God. God, give us this day. Today, God, meet my needs. I have needs that I want to present to you that you are already aware of that I trust you will give me according to the riches of your grace. So worship, submission, petition. Verse 12, which is our focus, is confession. And if there was a day to be like, man, maybe Sunday morning, I should skip church. Today's a beach. Maybe I'd go to the beach. Today was beach day, just so you know. Glad to have you here. We're glad for you here. But, but one of those things that we're going to be really focusing on today is confession. And this is really where the Lord's Prayer kind of takes a turn. Because here in verse 12, we are challenged. And I want to draw your attention to verse 12. And it says this, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debts. Debtors, forgive us our debts. Verse 12 is a verdict. Verse 12 is the raising of the white flag of surrender. Verse 12 is the acceptance of what we once were and who we are becoming by the grace of God. Verse 12, just so you know, if you haven't felt it yet, by the end of this sermon, you probably will, not from my words, but from the scriptures, is an assault on who we are. Verse 12 is is an assault on our identity. It's one of the hardest things we wrestle with as Christians, even as non-Christians, within the church, within God's people. The subject we're going to be looking at is... The forgiveness from God and the forgiveness of others. That's really our topic. Forgive us. Jesus is telling God's children to ask the Father to forgive them of their debts. Jesus is telling you and me as God's disciples to come before the Father and to request for the Father to forgive us. And this radical revelation Jesus is telling here is not new to Scripture, but it is radical nonetheless, and that is every soul is in debt to God. Now, maybe you're thinking, no, not me. Maybe other people. I've seen what other people have done. I'm not a debtor to God. I'm not a sinner. That's that's not, that's not. If we disagree with God and the scriptures, then we are the ones who need to change our mind, right? Verse 12. Give, verse 12, and forgive us our Debts. That, that word debts there, that word debt in the, the, the original language there is a word uh, me, simply meaning something that is owed. A debt that is to be paid. It's actually a strong metaphor for sin. In fact, maybe some of your translations actually put the word sin in there. It would not be wrong for us. We would not be in error if we read verse 12 
forgive us our sins. That would definitely be applied, but, but not only sin applied, but that in our sins, we've racked up for ourselves a debt that now we owe to God. Jesus' depiction of humanity is that we are sinners. We are debtors. Why is this so vital for our understanding then? Why am I going to take time in this sermon to convince us that we are sinners, which is so much fun, right? Like, why, why would we take time to carve out of our time in the sermon to be convinced by the words of Jesus that we are, in fact, debtors to God? Why would we do that? To grasp that we are debtors helps us understand the forgiveness that comes from God. My understanding of my debt is related to my need for the forgiveness that comes from God. Until we see our sin for what it is, the forgiveness found in the cross of Christ won't seem that amazing. If I'm not that bad, then my deliverance from my not being so bad is not quite as marvelous. But all we need to do is to look at the cross to see the extreme length my sin has done. My my, my debts have racked up. See, until we see our debts, the freedom of the gospel will not taste so sweet. Now allow me to unpack this idea of sin, of our debts for a moment. And we, as we often do uh, here at the church, we, we usually go back to Genesis, which I think is, is fair enough for us. And we're going to do that today. But just so you know, a lot of times we can get caught up in Genesis 3, the fall, the fall. Man, man blew it. Guys, before there's Genesis 3, there's Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And in the beginning of the creation narrative, in the beginning of the story of the unfolding of God's wonderful creation, Father God creates amazing things. In fact, when he looks at his creation, he speaks and throws the stars into the sky. He separates the water and the land and he creates animals. And these animals uh, feed off the vegetation of which he created in these trees. And these, he looks at all of his creation and he says, it's good. Which just so you know is an understatement, right? It's awesome. God never uses hyperbole. So when God says it's good, for us it's epic, right? It's amazing. It's, this is incredible. Man was sinless. Just think about that for a moment. God created man. He created woman out of the side of the man. And, 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 and in that, God looks into that and there's perfect relationship. There's perfect communion. Man walking with God in the cool of the day. No sin. And when they eat of the fruit, which they had no right to eat of the fruit. God told them, you don't, you can eat of all the trees. And they partook of the fruit, which God told them not to. They sinned. Man was not always in debt to God. But at the moment they partook of the fruit, they immediately became sinners in that moment, in that moment 
creation itself was broken, which has yet to recover. Not just creation, but humanity's connection with God. No longer in that moment was man in perfect relationship with God. That relationship was severed, not because of God's doing, because of man's doing. And in their rebellion against God, God, because he has to, God, because he is good, God, because he is righteous, is required by his own nature and character, separated from them. How can God have fellowship with sinful man? There has not been a payment for what they have done. They've racked up a debt that man has yet fully to recover from apart from the grace of God. And this rebellion was not just true with them. That rebellion has been passed down to you. That rebellion of sin has been passed down to me, to all of us. None of us in here have escaped the rebellion because Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, not even one. You're not the exception. I'm not the exception. Guys, no one is righteous. Everyone, all have sin. And so this really is the doctrine of original sin. This rebellion has been passed down from them to us. They were spiritually bankrupt, so we are spiritually bankrupt. Sin is not just something we do. Sin is in our nature. From the moment we were born, we had built within us this sinful nature. We have original sin. You need to hear me because it was passed down from Adam and Eve, our first fathers, to now us. And we are sinners because we have willfully joined in the rebellion. So not only are we sinners by nature, but we are sinners by choice because we've made the choice to rebel against God because no one is righteous, not even one. And I can't make a statement like, this is the doctrine of original sin without backing it up with Scripture. You can go there if you want. You don't have to. You can look it up later or whatever you would like to do. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. This is Paul talking really about this Uh, this idea of sin. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, how did sin come into the world? Paul says, through one man. (laughs) Through one man, sin comes into the entire world. Thanks, Adam, right? And death through sin, the result of that rebellion will ultimately result in death. And so, here it is, death spread to all men because all sinned. Original sin. That we inherited it because it's in our nature through one man and we've committed that. And so to make my point on this... um, I'll use, because I'm a good parent, I'll use my kid as an example, right? Uh, this last week, um, it was my wife's birthday, and so for, for we're, we're having breakfast, and I think it was breakfast. I, I don't remember exactly, but I believe we were having breakfast. And, um, and you know, Alistair, he's, he's four. He's our youngest son. And 
um, we're, we're talking about, hey, it's mommy's birthday today, and yeah, blah, 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 and so we're talking there at, at breakfast, and um, Alistair, who was four, completely with a straight face, looked at my wife, Juliet, and said, hey, mom, for your birthday, could you buy me a toy? <laughs> like somehow, in the moment of celebrating mom, my four-year-old, by his nature, was able to turn a moment that was not about him, all of a sudden turn the tables and say, mom, for your birthday, can you make, the, can you make this about me today, please? Now, I promise you, I did not teach him that, right? I did not teach him that. However, he did inherit that from me because I was born as a sinner. Not only was I born as a, and so he didn't not only inherited it from me, but I inherited it from my father. And we can, all of us, track this back to our father, Adam, our first father, Adam what scripture would describe. See, we inherit sin. And no one is born with a blank moral canvas like Adam and Eve. And then we try to get to figure out our life. And then somewhere between zero and 12, 13, 14 years old, we begin to rack up some debts and then we become sinners. David declared in the Psalms, I was born into iniquity. Do you see that we are our debtors and this, we're born into this because sin runs deeper than we realize. A lot of times we look at sin, uh, the fruits of our sin on the tree and be like, man, that's, that's some ugly things happening there. But we haven't even looked at the roots. We haven't even seen how far, how deep our sin runs. We don't have to be taught to sin because it's in our nature. It's who we are. You guys, I want you, we need to understand this. We sin because we are by nature sinners. We are far worse sinners than we will ever realize. We can't even understand the deepest perversions of our heart. I know I can't. See, before God's grace, we haven't obeyed. We haven't worshipped him. We've never had the desire to because we were dead in our sins. We were held captive. We were enslaved to our sin. We were not free to just worship God because we were in captivity. All right, so then this debt Jesus is talking about here in verse 12. Forgive us our debts. How do I pay down my own debt? If I'm indebted to God because of the sins I committed, how do I pay this debt down? We can't. And for those who like to have control, for those of us who like to kind of have the ball in our court, to kind of have a little bit of say in this, we don't like being told we can't. But guess what? We can't. No amount of morality can pay for the sins we've committed against God. Even one sin we've committed against God. No act of self-righteousness can appease the wrath of God toward our sin. Our sin is so big, so bad, we could never pay. Guys, I, I just want us to understand this reality that no obedience, no devotion, no works can pay down the debt of our sin. Because if obedience could pay down the debt, that means God owes us for obedience and God owes man nothing because God is indebted to no man. Job 
who has first given to me? This is God speaking. Who is first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. See, God, God needs nothing because he lacks nothing. So God could, we could never repay God. So then how is this debt then taken care of? It's forgiven. It's forgiven. The amount of sin, the chasm between us and God, which Adam and Eve first brought upon us, which we have inherited from them, and then we willfully joined in the rebellion, this debt that is such a massive debt that is impossible for, uh, to be paid off, is acquitted by God. God just forgives it. Isn't that amazing? That's why we pray. That's why we pray what Jesus tells us to pray in verse 12. Forgive us our debts. Do you guys see that Jesus offers no other way for sin to be dealt with? He offers no other way for sin to be handled. It must be forgiven. And that is why Jesus went to the cross. And this is what I want us to understand about forgiveness. The result of forgiveness is that our sin, God chooses to no longer dwell upon our sin in forgiveness. Yes, that is true. But oftentimes within Christianity, we've kind of just gotten really, kind of like gotten sugar-free on this. Just like cheap imitation, doesn't taste good. Oh yeah, forgiveness is just forgetting. Just forgetting. No, it's not. Simply just forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean that our sins have disappeared into thin air. Forgiveness is that our debts were specifically paid by the blood of Jesus. They weren't just like, poof, gone, by sin. They were paid. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you were bought with a price. His argument there is to glorify God with your body, to glorify God with your life. Why? Because we were bought with a price. The purchase God did to you and me cost God his only son. So glorify God in your body. The bloody death of Jesus Christ shows the only way my sins could be forgiven is if they were paid for by the blood of Jesus. And the result of that payment is forgiveness. But I don't want us to get in the danger just thinking, or all of a sudden forgiveness just means, oh, well, it's been disappeared into thin air. Because even God the Son asked God the Father, Father, if there is another way, let this cup pass for me. If there is any other way sin can be forgiven, if this debt can be paid, make another way. And does God allow another way to happen? No, because there is no other way. Christ had to pay for our sin if our debts are to be forgiven. See, forgiveness is not actualized by disappearing, the disappearing of sin into thin air. Forgiveness is the taking on of the offense. It's a little heavier, right? 
So when we pray for our sins to be forgiven, we are effectively asking for God through the blood of Jesus to atone and to pay for our sin. When we pray, forgive us our debts, we believe in the effective payment for our sin on the cross. When we pray, forgive us our debts, we believe that our sins are actually forgiven because Jesus is the one who took our offense. So if you struggle with the reality, I just don't think God can forgive me. I just, can't, I just don't think you forgive me. Really? How much further would God need to go to prove you that you're forgiven? Is, is, is Christ Jesus hanging on the cross for our sin not enough to prove that we can be forgiven by God? You guys, what's amazing when we pray, forgive us our debts. When we pray that, it's an effective prayer. Because our atonement was covered. Jesus' atonement for our sin was effective. And guess what? When you pray that, God forgives you. Of all the debt, of all the mistakes, God freely, forever forgives you. That as far as as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions. He blots them out. Why does God blot them out? For my own sake. The reason God forgives us is for his, his glory. So it's a whole other sermon. I wish we could go there. And I will not remember your sins First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. This is confession. You guys, when we ask forgiveness from God, what we're saying, God, is I'm confessing my sin to you. Now, how interesting is that? Like we come before God in prayer and we tell God, here are my sins but that's what we do. We confess. We tell him our sins. We make our sins known to God. He knows them anyways. You guys, honestly, I've had conversations with the Lord in prayer. God, I love this person at times more than I love you. God, I've pursued my own desires. I've lived after my own glory at times more than you I confess those things, God, to you. Lord, would you help me to love you and to treasure you and to pursue your glory above anything else? And guess what? When I come before God in prayer, I'm not like afraid God's going to chuck a lightning bolt down and like take me out, right? Because if I confess my sin and I make my sins known to God, he forgives us of those sins. While we are a far worse sinner than we ever realize, God's forgiveness is far greater than we realize. And it will take an eternity for us to begin to grasp the amazingness of the grace of God toward us. We, be, we believe we are forgiven because he made it possible to be forgiven. 
And so since we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, I just want to talk right at you now. Just, just talk, speak to um, you maybe right where you're at. If prayer then is one of the main ways we connect with God, our relational Father, and the thing that breaks that wedge between us and Father God is our own debt, is our own sin, we fall on our own sword when in the moment of sin or after we sin, we choose not to come before the presence of God in prayer. We're falling on our own sword. The very thing we need most when we sin is to be with God in prayer, asking for his forgiveness. But it's often, do you, do you find it that when you're in sin, often that's when you kind of pull back from Christian community. When you're in sin, it's often when you kind of pull back from your relationship with your spouse or relationship with your friends because you're ashamed of your sin. Sin not only separates us from God, but sin separates us from one another. And we pull back, but when in reality, when we sin, we can we need to run into the presence of God in those moments. That's when we need it. That's when we need him. So this is what it means to ask for God to forgive us. The depth, though, make no mistake, of forgiveness from God will be made evident in your willingness to forgive others. The debt of forgiveness from God that you've experienced will be made evident in the forgiveness of others. Let's look at verse 12 again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here we are being told by Jesus, Christians forgive others in light of God's forgiveness. If then we who have our debt paid, our ransom covered, how could we not forgive people who've committed sins against us? Jesus goes on to say, look at verse 14 of chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See the connection there? You see the tie? It's not that one relies upon the other, but the latter, our ability to forgive others is evidence whether or not we've actually been transformed by the grace of God and have experienced his forgiveness. God forgives us from sin. God forgives us from animosity. God forgives us from deep-rooted bitterness that we would have towards other people because other people have sinned and committed wicked things against us. Why? Because we understand that we were once debtors. Our offenses on the cross should eclipse any offenses that have been committed against us. 
And listen, I just want to just have a conversation with you around. I'm not downplaying the horrible things that have been done to you. But when we are reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the gospel releases us from animosity that we would have toward others. Right? So some of you have been abused. Horribly abused. Physically, sexually, verbally. Some of you have had been deeply wounded by the words of those whom you love. Some of you have had a horrible upbringing. Just your childhood, your upbringing is just haunts you. Some of you have been treated horribly by friends or by coworkers. I, we can only imagine some of the things that have been done here, uh, sins that have been committed to uh, us individually. Terrible sins maybe have been committed against you. But listen, as Christ has forgiven you, you forgive others. Yeah, but do you know what they did to me? I know. But do you know what our sin did to Christ? And listen, if the Holy Spirit is bringing someone or a few people up in your mind right now, I just want to sit in this moment. You don't have to be bitter toward them. You don't have to be angry at them any longer. You don't have to hold on to unforgiveness toward them, thinking that somehow that you're serving them the punishment that they are worthy of. We don't have to punish them with unforgiveness because Jesus will deal with them justly. Or maybe Jesus will forgive them of their debts. If we refuse to genuinely forgive other sins toward us, how could we pray and ask God for forgiveness? Is that not the height of hypocrisy? God, forgive me for what I've done, but I'm not going to forgive them. That would be evidence that either God's grace needs to take deeper root of sins and struggles in our own life, or that we have actually never been had our debts cleared, our debts forgiven. I guess I know that's heavy. It's not my words. It's the words of Jesus here. If you forgive others of their sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Guys, forgiven people forgive. And this is our confession. 
This is what we believe, that we are in debt. We pray to a God who forgives us of our debts and he forgives us of our debts. He forgives us in our sin. And in that deliverance, we are delivered from anger and bitterness and animosity towards those who have sinned and done harm to us. We are released from our sin. So we as Christians release others from their sin. This is the work and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why he lived. This is why he died. And this is why he rose again. So much so that we would be a people who love. Guys, this, this is, completely turns the world upside down. That we would love our enemies. Right? Let's pray. Father God. Oh my gosh, I am so far from where I need to be, but your grace has brought us thus far, and we believe your grace will carry us home. And until then, forgive us. God, we confess our sins. And we believe that as we confess our sins, you will clear those debts because you told us you would. And right now, God, if we struggle with forgiving others, or God, if we struggle with our own forgiveness for the horrible things we've done, may we not be so prideful to think that your cross is unable to clear to wash away and to pay for those things we've done. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal to us areas where we need to confess our sin before God. I just want to give you a moment. Those who are, if you're listening to me right now, as we're in this moment of prayer, maybe there are unconfessed sins that you've been hiding from the Lord, even those he, he sees all of those things to you. We're not going to make you stand up and have to say all these things in front of the church. This is between you and Father God. just want to give you a moment right now, not let another minute go by without giving you that opportunity to confess those sins. Go ahead, do that right now. And for those of us, Lord, who maybe we're not Christians, we are told in the scriptures that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you were not a Christian this morning, Father God, I ask that as we're praying that your Holy Spirit would reveal and that your Spirit would bring testimony to souls in here that they, in fact, are guilty sinners and need of forgiveness. So we confess, God. We ask, Lord, that you would bring about salvation to your house today. 
that people would believe on your name and in believing on your name, they would repent and in repenting, they would confess so that they would be saved. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.